What are you reading there, Ray? Another paper. Yeah, I'd like to stay current on events from around the world. I absorb info like a sponge. That's a weird analogy. What's the hot topic of the day? Well, apparently a group of duck hunters shot an angel. It's bad enough they go out to shoot the ducks to begin with, but an angel? What? Yeah, or how about this lady? She has the world's smallest face. Her, her head's a normal size, but the face part is very tiny. Are you making this up? No, it's right here in print. Here, look, Hillary Clinton. What happened with her? Oh, she adopted an alien baby. Robert, I knew it. You need to stop reading the New York Post. The Post? Oh, please, I have some class. No, no, I'm reading the Weekly World News. Yeah, the Weekly World News. This week on This Was a Thing. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. This week, we're looking at the Weekly World News. Weekly World News is one extraordinary story after another. Wow. Weekly World News this week, the incredible shrinking woman. She looks like a tiny doll. Civil War soldier travels in time. To 1985? Dog saves master from quicksand death. And a boy. Bride vanishes as shot cubby watches. Weekly World News. Man suicide leap squashes tourist hero driver saves runaway school bus no breaks this week and every week from all over the world weekly world news the more you read it the more you get involved now this was a thing because people like oddities it's human nature and they also like to keep up with the news which is what the weekly world news brought to the masses odd news now some even considered it fake news but these fake news stories really didn't affect anyone in terribly negative ways. They were just fake, made up, odd, weird, strange. Now, Daniel, you could put a little effect on that and just, uh, strange. Folks, I wish you could see the horrible face that Ray makes when he does it, because it's looking directly at me and it's terrifying me. Now, do you remember Weekly World News, Rob? I do indeed. It was at the supermarket. It was black and white mm -hmm. on that really thin paper. Oh, yeah. Not as classy as the Inquirer or the Star. Oh, absolutely Because that was in color. Oh, yeah. And uh, I didn't like reading it because it used to scare me. See, I used to love it. I loved it. And it was one of those things where I would always, or at least try to convince my parents to get it for me on the checkout stand where it'd be like, hey, look, Milky Way. Hey, look, Weekly World News. When you say fake news, this wasn't like no. the fake news we no, hear today. No, that's the thing. And people would label it fake news. But like I said, it didn't really affect anyone in a negative way, this kind of fake news. But it didn't actually start out that way it kind of started more normal and for this episode i used a really great article from the website mental floss it was written by josh rawson called bat boy lives an oral history of the weekly world news and it's a great piece because they interviewed so many people that worked on it so i was able to pull a lot of great quotes for this 
So the Weekly World News was created essentially to keep a black and white printing facility from going out of business. Is that really true? That's really true. So Generoso Pope Jr. or Gene... Gen- Generoso Pope Jr. Add this to the list yep. of names that we don't understand. Gen- Generoso? Gen- uh, Gene Pope Jr., if you will. Generoso! Generoso was born in 1927, and he graduated from MIT, graduated with a bachelor degree in general engineering. And by the time he was 21, he took over Il Progresso Italo Americano. It was an Italian-language daily newspaper in the ah! United States. Yeah. I love how you looked at me like, well, of course, everyone yeah, knows. Come on. Yeah. You know, if he just paid attention, Il Progresso. (laughs) Gene Pope Jr. took over the paper from his father. He owned the paper and he helped turn it into the largest circulated Italian language daily in the country. And at the time, that was a big thing. A lot of Italian Americans were coming into the country. No, of course. It's a big deal. Where was it located? In New York, Florida? Yeah, New York. Generoso Pope Jr. was big into politics, and his paper is said to have helped FDR secure the Italian vote. Oh, really? Yeah. In 1952, Gene Pope Jr., I'm just going to start calling him Gene because that's how he's professionally known now. Gene, Gene the point. Dancing Machine. Exactly. He acquired the New York Inquirer for $75,000, and rumor has it that part of that money was a loan from mobster Frank Costello, who was a crime boss oh, of yeah. the Luciano family. And in exchange for the loan, Gene promised to list lottery numbers and refrain from printing any negative stories about the mob in the, inqui- <laughs> in, the in the New York Inquirer. So uh, you get the newspaper. You just can't do your job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope that's okay. And so coincidentally, Costello was asked to be Gene Jr.'s godfather at his birth and not like godfather in the mob sense, but actually like a godfather in the religious sense. So in 1954, Gene Pope Jr. decided to reformat the New York Inquirer and turn it into a tabloid. The revamped tabloid needed a new name. So the New York Inquirer became... The Weekly World News. The National Inquirer. The National Inquirer. I'm not doing well on this test. By 1966, it had more than a million papers in circulation, and the National Enquirer was known for the more salacious and gory headlines, things like, I cut out her heart and stomped on it, or mom boiled her baby and ate her. Those were some popular. Do you remember any headlines that were like the gory kind? That and the photographs, because I think they, they were like the first to print autopsy photos and like crime scene photos. Gene Pope Jr. said that he got the idea for this format and like the stories and stuff from seeing how people would congregate around car accidents. Yes, which is very true. Oh, absolutely true. But he realized, hey, people like gory, people like macabre, you know what I mean? Absolutely. By this time, the paper was only sold on newsstands and at drugstores because of the content. It was being too graphic. So in 1967, he decided to reformat again so we can get a wider audience. So he changed the story Stories to topics like celebrities or UFOs and stories like that helped get the National Enquirer into supermarket checkouts. And that was something that he pioneered. There was not really any, you know, anything at checkout stands before that outside of maybe newspapers. You know, this is tabloids and stuff weren't really there. So Gene Pope Jr. started that in 1971. He moved the paper down to Lantana, Florida from New York City. And that's where the paper continued to do well and stayed there for a long time. They had a rival tabloid, The Star. And they decided that they needed to switch to a color format. The star did. So that meant the National Enquirer had to switch to a color format. So that left a black and white printing facility in Montana unused and ready for work. 
and Gene Pope Jr. decided to create a second paper, and it was a way of keeping the printing facility workers their job. So for them to keep their jobs, he decided, well, let's do a second paper. And I'm sure, I mean, it was a smart idea business-wise too, but to keep the black and white printing facility, he did the Weekly World News. So Ian Calder, who was an editor-in-chief for the National Enquirer at the time, said, Pope said, why don't we do a Reader's Digest did? Reader's Digest, when it started out, took the best stories from around the world and reprinted them. He said, why not just do the best stories, the really wacky stories? So Mm. that's what we did. So that was the genesis of the idea for Weekly World News. He put together a staff with a lot of good writing backgrounds. One was from the Washington Post. One was from the New York Times. Joe Berger, who he chose to be the editor, was a White House correspondent. These are legitimate people. Yeah, legitimate people. So in October 1979, the first issue of Weekly World News was officially released. It sold a respectable 120,000 copies around that. So that's pretty good. For the first week? For the first week, 120,000. One of the jobs was Clippers, and their job was to cut out the stories that might seem interesting. Then they'd take those to the writers who would jazz them up a bit. Joe Berger said about 50% of the stories were about people narrowly escaping death, someone falling off a cliff or hanging off a tree branch for four days until they were rescued. We would write the story and put in a splashy headlines. Most stories were very true and accurate. Most stories. Yeah, most stories were very true and accurate. They looked at it like if it was interesting to the people in the newsroom, then people at home would be interested in it as well. And that proved to be right, but even that would end up catching up to them. So the stories were all real, but they were essentially kind of boring. Gene Pope Jr. wanted more exciting stories, wilder tales. Recycled stories were starting to lose his interest, and he wanted stories that reminded him of the good old days of the Inquirer. Okay. (laughs) Another Joe Berger quote, the only way to do it was to gradually add stories that weren't true. That's when stories about aliens and the weirder stuff, Bigfoot tried to eat my little boy, came up. It was a demand from the boss for more exciting stuff. There just wasn't any way to adhere to the truth and give him what he wanted. Managing editor Sal Ivone labeled it borrowed credibility. We love a nice term like that. Borrowed. That's actually what our podcast is called. Exactly. Thank you. He says, on the left-hand side, there were stories people recognized and then there were more outlandish mythical urban legends on the right side it was all juxtaposed with recognizable legitimate stories to get readers to think about it this is true this farmer in idaho saying his wife ran away with bigfoot it's given a little bit of credibility a platform to give people permission to believe it we should have been clear bigfoot was the nickname of his brother-in-law oh yeah yeah that's the thing they leave they they would leave that out weekly world news is one extraordinary story after another Wow. Weekly World News this week. World's oldest man takes a bride. She wants lots of babies? Men trapped three days in a freezer. That gives me the chills. Teen runaway becomes a princess. A real-life Cinderella. Possessed man begs for exorcism. Weekly World News. Did a computer goof kill granny? Mom hits record jackpot with her last 50 cents. This week and every week from all over the world, Weekly World News. The more you read it, the more you get involved. Original editor-in-chief Joe West, who was known for his fiery temper, ended up getting tired with the way Gene Pope Jr. was handling things, and he stormed out one day, never to come back. This left an opportunity for assistant editor Eddie Klontz to step up and shine. Eddie Klontz, which I, I feel like is such a perfect name. I don't know why. It's Eddie Klontz. Klontz. C-L-O-N-T-Z. Eddie Klontz. Call Klontz. He'll know. He became editor-in-chief and helped turn the Weekly World News into the paper The World came to know and love. That's when the sensationalized, 
odd headlines that Gene Pope Jr. wanted started pouring in. But Klontz wanted the stories to be written as real as possible, as if they were written by the Associated Press. That's genius. Exactly. So when they found the theme that worked, they would just build on it for future papers. Like something like Baby Born with Wooden Leg would then become baby born with tattoo, baby born with mustache, baby born with tattoo of mustache. (laughs) One baby story involved the baby coming out of the womb saying, not again. (laughs) Artist Dick Culpa came in to work one day with an ultrasound of his daughter. Eddie Klont saw it and said, that's a galaxy shaped like a human fetus. That became a page one story. (laughs) Galaxy Galaxy shaped shaped like like a human human fetus. fetus. So that's the kind of stuff, and it was written like as real as possible. Like a uh, scientists have made a discovery. You know what I mean? And it's like as if, like, oh my god, this is like huge news. When you read those articles, like, there's no sense of winking. There's no oh, sense n- of absolutely not. That's why I love. I mean, that's the thing. I loved that. Like that was kind of probably the thing that one of the things that helped sparked my like young brain and going like. Oh, satire. Ah. Oh. So writer Bob Lynn says, my favorite story that I wrote about was Siamese twins where one was good cop and one was a bad cop. <laughs> Executive editor Charlie Newshafer took a rafting trip to Colorado one time and he took photos of ancient hieroglyphs on a canyon. He brought those back, put the photos in and said that they were made up by space aliens. Oh, that's brilliant. So they knew what people want and they knew people enjoyed reading this as kind of what it is. They would run serialized stories like the one about the Lake Champlain sea monster. Is it like Loch Ness? Yeah, in the Great Lakes. So writer C. Michael Forsyth says, we did a story about the creature set sail across the Atlantic on a mission to go toe-to-toe with Nessie, the Loch Ness monster. We built it up. He's on his way. He gets there and it turns out he went there to mate with Nessie. Then we followed up with they had a baby. Then we had a <laughs> contest to name the baby. I picture the family portrait. Oh, yeah. Like them all by the lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right out The name was Tyler. Popular name. (laughs) So prophecies were also big sellers. Donner Party prophecy, Unabomber prophecy. It was the 80s, so World War III predictions were all the rage. Uh. The apocalypse, coming disasters, heaven and hell. Don't worry, because they also ran things like Miracle Cures, which like garlic or apple cider vinegar, which I feel like is having a moment right now. So back then... I do use apple cider vinegar. Yeah, Take a shot of it a day and you feel amazing. Jill Berger says, our mantra was never talk yourself out of a good story. If a lady called and said aliens ate her laundry, the New York Times might say, do you have evidence? We'd say... Oh, do you know if he liked jeans or frilly stuff best? Don't get second sources. No. One woman called in and said that her toaster was talking without missing a beat. She was told to put the toaster on the phone. They were very serious about the stories. Can I speak to the toaster, please? Yeah, exactly. Can you put it on bagel settings? Well, their sister publication would make the news because of lawsuits brought on by celebrities and stuff. Weekly World News didn't have to worry about that kind of thing as much. Executive editor Charlie Newshafer says, Space aliens didn't really take anyone's laundry, but there were still lawyers who read it everything had to be approved by a big law firm in washington dc if a story was made up they checked to make sure no one in that city or the world had the name they were using and they would just usually make up names writer c michael forsyth said the first part of the name would be anglo-saxon the second part would be italian (laughs) there were always stories that were 
strictly off limits, like sex couldn't be covered. Really? But, yeah, because if it was considered too risque for supermarkets or advertisers, then it was a no-go. And there were ads in it. There were real ads and stuff. The stories were fake, but the advertisements were very real, so they wanted to take that money in. Artist Dick Culpa would go to schools and give speeches and stuff, and he would ask how many people read Weekly World News, and he said that about half the kids would raise their hands. Yeah. I would have been one of those kids. Not only was the paper big with school children, but also college-age adults. So it was the pre-stoners and then stoners. That's so perfect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joe Berger said, it became satirical. We were playing to two different readers. There were people who read Weekly World News and enjoyed it as humor and satire publication. And then there were people who read Weekly World News and wanted to believe every word in there. And every story we gave the reader a chance to believe what they wanted to believe. Something else that artist Dick Culpa said, he said, the Weekly World News philosophy was like what Stan Lee was to the original Marvel comics. Hmm. Both were grounded both were believable. You read a comic and believed the Hulk could have actually existed through radioactivity. It gave it plausibility. Weekly World News did the same thing. You run a story, have an expert to debunk the story, print it with the story, and it gave credibility. And I thought that was so interesting that like these comic book guys came in and realized, okay, well, this has some plausibility. And so they kind of took that same mindset of like, this is how we make it real. And it, it's true. I mean, the stories sounded real. Uh, now, with the addition of these wild stories, sales went up from 100,000 copies to a million copies. What? Yeah, so weird sells people. Weekly World News is one extraordinary story after another. Wow. Weekly World News this week. 5,000 bodies disappear from graveyard. It's the devil's work. Judge orders wife to cook. Or go to jail. Mom's ghost rescues son. She pulled him away. Bionic leg attacks inventor. Weekly World News. Brave dog saves 300 lambs. Navy raises UFO from ocean floor. Wow. This week and every week from all over the world, Weekly World News. The more you read it, the more you get in they decided to run a story one week in 1988 that would be a major seller. Elvis is alive. Now, the original story was about a book that was written about Elvis faking his own death and going into hiding. Do you know anything about this book, Ray? Now, I can't confirm this, but I'm 99% sure that the book they're talking about is is Elvis Alive, written by Gail Brewer Giorgio. Now, if you're a fan of the podcast, you oh, would no. have known the episode that was released around August about the Is Elvis Alive episode. But I'm only 99% sure it's her because the Mental Floss article says that the woman was living in England. Gail is pure-blooded American. She sounds like she's from Pittsburgh. When are you and Gail getting married, Ray? Because I know you love her so much. Weekly World News would end up running at least 57 Elvis is Alive stories between 1988 and 1992. So four years, 57 stories, which is a lot. I'm not good at math, but if there's 12 a year. Folks, just give us one sec while we add this up. Eddie Klontz was the main drive behind this. He could tell that Elvis Fever still was sweeping the world. Now, future Weekly World News editor Neil McGinnis says, in many instances, the stories contain journalistic slights of hands or twists that really drove home the thematic elements to the story. It wasn't just that Elvis was spotted in a Burger King, but that the person at the counter was surprised he ordered a double Whopper or two double Whoppers. I'm not really surprised. No, exactly. But but that kind, I don't know, just adding those little spins, yes. it just yes. gives it so much much more I don't know. It, it it really is such a brilliant take on reporting satire. It really makes you kind of invested even more. I will say also it's kind of genius because I was thinking about it, which is if you're waiting, because you pick up the magazine to read it when you're waiting in line for your groceries to be to, to check out. 
Then I was, I was thinking about it. You probably start reading. So like, why wouldn't you just read the article, put it back? Exactly. Yeah. But then you get so engrossed. And then, there's, a, and home and then there's another one that you go, well, well what? I got to see what this is. Oh, is two bucks. Back to school. Backpack. Lockers. Lockers to hide in. Speaking of school, what's the biggest lesson you ever learned? Hmm. To subscribe to Patreon to help keep this show on the air. I learned that in economics. Ooh, I was sick that day. How do I subscribe? Well, to be one of the cool kids, become one of our Patreon supporters and help keep this show on the air. Head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for this was a thing and said a monthly donation even a dollar a month helps us your contributions help continue doing what we're doing good to know well i'm gonna subscribe then get a note to get out of pe rob i have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis oh now this next one is really what helped put weekly world news on the map a headline that was run june 23rd 1992 would introduce the world to a new character to the world of the Weekly World News. That headline? Batchild found in West Virginia cave. That Batchild came to be known as Batboy. I'm going to play a clip right now from a Weekly World News show that only lasted for one season in 1996, and it was on the USA Network. I remember this show. But it was the same satirical take that the newspaper had, and it was like a news show. Now, here's their top story on Batboy. One of my students, Bob, had brought along his camcorder and was able to document the journey. When we came up to the mouth of the cave, we heard a shriek that we couldn't identify. Come on, Bob. Let's go. I went into the cave for a closer look. I saw it. It seemed that its leg might possibly be caught between the rocks. Deep in that West Virginia cave, Dylan found what can only be described as a creature that was half boy and half bat. I hardly know what to make of him. He appears to be human, but he's not like any other human being I've ever seen. Now, the original picture of Bat Boy is of a bald child with his mouth wide open, pointy teeth, looking off with his wide eyes into the distance. It's an image that millions would continue to see. The original image for Bat Boy was done by artist Dick Culpa, and it was essentially created by accident. Oh, He was tasked with making an image of an alien baby, and they realized that there were far too many stories about aliens, so they decided to change it up a bit. And the first time Batboy was featured, he made the first page in the newspaper sold 975,000 copies. Because of this kid's face on the cover. Yeah, because wow. of Batboy. Eddie Klontz's brother, Derek, was the one that gave Batboy his backstory. And he added little touches like the fact that Batboy ate 300 pounds of insects a day. <laughs> Batboy would escape the cave, go on the run, then get caught by the FBI. And the FBI didn't like being involved in the story. The real FBI didn't like. Uh, writer Bob Lynn remembered, one day Eddie gets a call from the FBI like hey we're getting all these calls knock it off Eddie says we'll never do it again as soon as a receiver hit the hook he turned around and said okay Batboy escapes from the FBI yes yes uh, a, a lot of the staff had backgrounds in comic books like I said so they understood how to pepper in loved characters like Batboy whenever they felt like it was time to add another story <laughs> so you know like whenever like oh I, I think Ant-Man would be good here you know like yes. in, in Marvel yes. or you know like Thor would work here like oh I think Batboy should go in here editor Neil McGann 
McGinnis says, Bat Boy is unique that he's not a heroic figure. He's more of an anti-hero. Mm. You can draw parallels to Don Quixote <laughs> in that you have a protagonist who isn't a hero but fallible, subject to lapses in judgment. Like the time he stole a Mini Cooper and led the police on a chase. Bat Boy. Bat Boy. Not Don Quixote. No, not Don Quixote. Well, no, that was Poncho. He was going to make it had the car not tilted at that windmill. <laughs> you had to be a Cervantes fan for it. Tilt at the wind. Okay. Writer C. Michael Forsyth says, in World War II, different fictional characters like Superman and Donald Duck were recruited to the war effort. So he did one where Bad Boy was recruited to the Marines. <laughs> he could use a super sense of hearing. Eventually, he led the Marines to the capture of Saddam Hussein. But, well, that we all knew. Yeah, and the success of Bad Boy led to merchandising. You could get a Bat Boy t-shirt, which I would love to have a Bat Boy t-shirt. Someone paid $10,000 to license Bat Boy beer. Oh, wow. There was always some kind of a Bat Boy movie script for floating around that would never get produced. But something that did get produced was Bat Boy the Musical. With a score and lyrics by Lawrence O'Keefe and book by Keith Farley and Brian Fleming, the show opened in 1997 in Los Angeles and it would make its off-Broadway debut in 2001. It would never make it to Broadway, but it has since developed a cult following. And among fans of the show is me. Ray Hebel, fan of Bat Boy. Now, the artist who created Bat Boy, Dick Culpa, said that he never saw the musical, uh, never made any money from it either, he says. Stan Lee and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, but you didn't see that Dick Culpa created Bat Boy because he was supposed to be a real character. It wasn't until a 2007 Washington Post story that it was all revealed. The Washington Post was like, the public needs to know this has all been fake. Dick Culpa apologized with a mea culpa. (laughs) I wish I thought of that one. That's a good one. Joe Berger says, I don't know why we didn't do Bat Boy meets Elvis. Maybe it was too silly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now. Now, I've mentioned how aliens were a recurring theme with the Weekly World News. Yes, that I remember. Well, there was one alien that was mentioned quite frequently. An alien by the name of P-Lod. P-Lod? P-Lod. P-apostrophe L-O-D. P-Lod. Oh, he's Irish. (laughs) And he happened to have a liking for American women in politics. Who doesn't, (laughs) P-Lod? P-Lod was having an affair with Hillary Clinton. And it said that it ended when him and Bill Clinton got into a brawl due to the president's jealous rage. Jeez. I know. That's the thing. You don't hear about that kind of stuff. No. Typical, typical liberal news hiding the facts. Oh, yeah. When his heart was mended from the Hillary fiasco, P-Lod moved on to Miss Condoleezza Rice. That's right. P-Lod sought love. On both sides of the aisle. <laughs> Not partisan. Pilot, I love that Pilot loves a strong woman. Oh, absolutely. They ran a story that Hillary Clinton adopted an alien baby. They photoshopped a photo of her holding the alien baby. Joe Berger remembers this. We got a really irate letter from a woman who insisted that that was not Hillary holding the baby, that Hillary was not a nice, warm-hearted lady who would adopt a space alien baby. The reader was perfectly willing to believe that it was an alien baby, just not that Hillary was holding it. And these people vote. Great. Uh, I know. It's so great. In June 1994, Weekly World News reported that 12 U.S. senators were in fact aliens. Oddly enough, a lot of the senators were down to play along. Oh, funny. Joe Berger is full of great quotes. 
We called senators, talking to their press aides, making sure they knew who we were. We said, we understand Senator Nunn and his colleagues are extraterrestrial space aliens who've come to Earth to help us out, and we wanted to know if he was ready to confess to that. Some slammed down the phone, but we called enough of them, and pretty soon we got some aides laughing. We got several calls back. Yeah, Senator Nunn admits that he's a space alien. They would even give us quotes. Once we had a couple who admitted to it, then we had, it was quite easy to call others. Well, we got Senator Orrin Hatch, Senator Nunn, Senator J. Bennett Johnson. They already confessed. Would Senator so-and-so like to fess up? It's not nearly as hard as we expected uh, to get written statements admitting they were aliens. That's funny. They, at least they had a good sense of humor about it. Now, during the 2000 election, George W. Bush was photographed holding a Weekly World News with the cover showing him meeting one of the aliens. Oh, yes, I remember that. And speaking of W, uh, Weekly World News said President Lincoln was insane and his ghost had been spotted in the White House giving W advice on the war in Iraq. And just like any other paper, Weekly World News featured columnists, obviously. There were the advice columnists, Dear Babs and Dear Dottie, the relationships advice columnist, Hi Dolly. You had your psychic, Madame Melissa, your financial <laughs> business advisor, Monkey Business, and of course, your medical advice, Horse Sense. But one column was more popular than the rest, and that was Ed Anger. Ed Anger. Ed Anger was a conservative pundit. He was originally written by Raphael Klinger, and some say he paved the way for the modern conservative talking head. Oh. See Rush Limbaugh. He would usually start his Ugh. weekly column with something like, I'm madder than a monkey with a rotten banana, or... I'm angrier than a one-legged man at an ass-kicking contest, and then go into a rant about what was pissing him off that current week. Neil McGinnis says of Ed Anger, if you look at the character Ed Anger in terms of cultural touchpoint, Ed is significant. He really was the prototypical blueprint for the narrow-minded, right-wing, bigoted commentator. Wow. It was almost like a playbook. He hated vegetarians, loathed the French, endorsed capital punishment. He wanted to turn high school bleachers into mass electric chairs. Some of what he trafficked in became very real. Raphael Klinger would leave Weekly World News, but the Ed Anger column continued. Klinger would actually sue Weekly World News in 1990, claiming that they had no right to continue his column without him. A federal court ended up ruling against him in 1994, prompting him to respond in the style of Ed Anger with the remark, I'm pig biting mad. Pig biting mad. Pig biting mad. I'm pig biting mad as hell. And I'm not going to take it no more. <laughs> now, in 1996, Weekly World News would publish a collection of Ed Anger's best columns. The book was titled, Let's Pave the Stupid Rainforests and Give School Teachers Stun Guns and Other Ways to Save America. It was called the RNC Platform 2010. Exactly. Now, it had some controversy. Pilot never sued for libel or anything. But the paper ran into some trouble in 1989 when they published three photos depicting serial killer Ted Bundy's corpse. The actual corpse? The actual corpse, yeah. Thinking that the photos were too graphic to run in the inquiry. The photos were bought by the Weekly World News then. Even the Inquirer yeah, had like, standards. Yeah, you know, I don't want to do that. So the person who took and sold the photos was a low-level employee at a Florida medical examiner's office, and he was later caught and charged. But yeah. that paper sold a record 1.5 million copies, more than the Elvis is Alive headline. Get out. Now, Gene Pope Jr. died in 1988. The next year, the National Enquirer and Weekly World News were sold off for $413 million to a company that would eventually turn into American media. In 1999, American Media was bought by Evercore Capital Partners. That year, David 
Hecker was named as chairman. Eddie Klontz would leave the paper in 2000. Eddie, no! Leaving him with all the zaniness that helped the paper thrive, and he would sadly die in 2004. But over time, the new owners tried to make changes. They wanted them to start running true stories. No. Yeah, that would saw a major... We have integrity. Saw a major drop in sales. Then they did a 180, wanted to run only the silliest of stories. Then they brought in a bunch of young comedy writers, and things just were never the same. Going from a circulation of over a million to under a hundred thousand it would sadly cease print publication in august 2007 Hmm. so now joe berger says it went belly up when it became too silly to believe believe it or not for some reason it was difficult for people to grasp the tone of what we were doing (laughs) by that point the onion had a very Uh. strong online presence and many at weekly world news thought that they were just doing a better job editor charlie newshafers remember way back in 1988 two guys from madison wisconsin went to the weekly world news offices to take a tour and see how the paper was run those two guys then went off to start the onion so also by 2007 there were just too many magazines at supermarket checkouts now yeah cosmo and people and all the main the mainstream media <laughs> mainstream news the liberal media Ugh. with their articles on candace cameron Ugh, candace cameron burr in 2008 a group of investors led by former national lampoon executive bought weekly world news the company was called Batboy llc they maintain an online presence and even made the news in 2010 when Fox and Friends ran one of their news stories thinking it was real. The story was that the Los Angeles Police Department bought 10,000 jetpacks at a cost of $1 billion. It was for cops. They were probably ecstatic. But it was L.A. cops, though. Oh, no, they're not. Yeah, LA. exactly. In 2011 and 2012, Weekly World News stories about Facebook shutting down started circulating around the Internet. It spread so much in 2012 that Facebook actually had to release an official statement to tech blog Mashable. The answer is no, so please help us put an end to the silliness. We didn't get the memo about shutting down, and there's lots to do, so we'll just keep cranking away like always. Mm. In 2019, Weekly World News writer Greg D'Alessandro took over as CEO slash editor-in-chief and relaunched the brand and has set up projects with Hollywood producers. D'Alessandro says, It never went away. We're working on a half-hour sitcom, podcast, and a Batboy film. The sitcom would be about the reporters, like The Office. Interesting. In September 2020, Weekly World News launched a successful Kickstarter campaign with the purpose of expanding reporting, getting those Hollywood projects off the ground, and also get the newspaper back in print form. And I'll leave you with this quote from writer Bob Lind. When I look at the Weekly World News, I don't think of it as having any lasting effect on culture. Hmm. The impact at the time was minimal. Most people treated it like fiction. It made people laugh. Unfortunately, some people, it scared them to death, but they kind of enjoyed the fear. Television kind of took over. Basically, unsolved mysteries took over for what the paper was doing. He also says, we invented fake news, but ours was harmless. Oh, wow. When we get back, we'll talk about some of the best stories from Riku World News and also where we see this kind of outlandish humor nowadays that's not just The Onion. To take us out, here is the new song from Pilod. <laughs> I don't like it, Ray. It just makes me really uncomfortable, especially because there's direct eye contact during it. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. We now return to As the Weekly World News Turns. The First Lady and Pilod argue about... But he's the most powerful man in the world, Pilod. 
do you understand the press that this would cause? I know that he hasn't made me feel special in years, but I believe in second chances. I just thought it would be different this time. Bill seems to be getting close to being the old Bill again. Close, but no cigar. Well, I suppose that's what I get for saying the word cigar. I can't just leave. I've told you that. If it was that easy, I'd have been in San Poco sipping on a strawberry mojito the second that he hired that three-breasted intern. No, I meant mojito. The mint and strawberry are actually a great pairing. Don't try and smooth talk me to run away with you, even if I am the mint to your strawberry. We have breaking news. Air Force One has been shot down by an extraterrestrial space laser. There seems to be no survivors. Oh, you're bad. Let me go slip out of this pantsuit into a pantsuit. Thank you. This was a sketch. The Week of World News brought us outlandish news stories in the form of real journalism. Like I said, The Onion is the king when it comes to writing satire. And I feel like The Onion is more brash and in your face with the satire, though. After September 11th, The Onion put out an issue only two weeks later, and it had headlines like, U.S. vows to defeat whoever it is we're at war with. Jerry Falwell, is that guy a dick or what? (laughs) And hijackers surprised to find selves in hell. And a lot of people say that that issue, The Onion, was the first time that they were able to kind of smile again after the terrible attacks, and satire has that amazing way of making people reprocess their way of thinking. Like, one of the headlines is hugging up a million percent. <laughs> like, oh, that's funny. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just, it has a way of, especially at times like that, of helping people kind of cope, yes, I guess. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. And like like I said, reprocessing thoughts. Laughter is a very healthy coping mechanism. It, and it's just, I don't think the Weekly World News could have gotten away with headlines like that, really, so shortly after oh, those terrible attacks. Or no, I mean, even in 2001, I feel, oh, like, oh. I feel like they'd already established themselves as like aliens and stuff like that, where it's like, I don't know, The Onion, I think, just figured out how to do it better with the changing world, if you will. There's other satire sites nowadays, like The Onion, another popular one it's called Clickhole, and I remember when that made headlines when they ran a story about Rick Santorum having the gay dating app Grinder on his phone, and the article said that Santorum thought it was an app for ordering coffee, and it was fake, but at first, I mean, I even fell for it. I actually thought it was true, too, but then, of course, I remembered when I fucked him, I found him on Scruff. Well, that's fair. Twitter is also now a place for amateur satirists, luckily for us. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Most of it's not very good, but hey, it's a, new, it's a place to test out material. Yes, the Weekly World News was fake news, but I can guarantee a majority of people that read it didn't take it seriously. A majority of them. They saw it for what it really was. A goof and a gag. Want to play a game? I would love to play a game. This was a thing and now it's a quiz. This is a This Was a Quiz. With Mark Schroeder.
Mark, did you ever read Weekly World News? Uh, just the covers at the supermarket. Just the covers. I uh. was entranced. Did your parents ever buy them? Or like- no, we laughed at them. We all kind of, it was purely that last 10 feet before the checkout. Like, <laughs> why? What is that? What? There's a third arm on that? Last 10 feet before checkout? How far away were these lines? <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the 80s, you go to a path mark in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. You could put the conveyor belt uh, starting at the freezer section, actually. We'd hail a helicopter into the uh, under 10. Did you ever feel when you were a kid, like when you got to put the little divider like up? like Oh, responsibility. I, 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 yeah, it, I felt such a sense of like, oh, let me do that. It's different than it is now where I feel like I'm really making a statement when I slam it down behind <laughs> yeah. my groceries like, for come person on. Like I am not buying those hostess uh, ding dongs. That's not my order. I do it when the person in front of me takes forever to fucking load the thing, and mm. I'm just like, Ugh. I'm very passive aggressive with those things. Mm-hmm. A lot of eye rolls and a lot of grumbles. Oh my god! Do you ever like roll up a Weekly World News and swat them on the head and go festa festa? No? Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. great. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what the interesting thing about supermarket tabloids? Sometimes the tabloids, they actually break a real news story. That is true. Yeah. Occasionally is they, very true. they get it right and they're the ones that nail it. Like this one, Kenny Rogers is Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one, I mean, he's a hairy man. Yeah. I will say like, if you're like looking at the inquiry and it's a photo of someone, they're like, only weeks to live. They usually only have weeks to live. Yeah, they yeah, know they're very something. Good at that. They know yeah. something. They they can predict the mortality of very old people. <laughs> they got so they got doctors on staff there. Yeah. So sometimes the entertainment tabloids get it right, and that always fascinates me. So we're gonna delve into those times in my okay. game. So for more on this story, we take you live to Robin Ray with a little game called Tabloid Truth. Oh. Ooh. In this one, I'm gonna name a real news story that broke. And Robin Ray, you're going to work together to determine if that news story was broken by a tabloid publication or a legitimate news source. Okay. okay. I think okay. we all know tabloid versus legitimate. And even though we're working together, listeners, please keep track on uh, who's coming up with their answer correctly the most. Every game has to have a winner and a loser. Michael Jackson's death. I want to say, I want to say, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was TMZ. Yes. TMZ broke that story. Tiger Woods' multiple affairs. I mean, I want to say that's that's tabloid. That's like a tabloid. Too. That was the National Enquirer. Yeah, broke that okay. That's a tabloid. That's a tabloid, folks. That's a tabloid. O.J. Simpson's Bruno Mali shoes. Bruno Mali shoes. Yes, because they they found a photograph of him. He said, "I didn't own the shoes," and they found a photograph from him wearing the shoes. I think it was like the Enquirer or the Star. That was the National Enquirer. They he said, "I never, I would never they, wear those ugly ass shoes." And then they posted a picture of him si- like sidelines of an NFL game, wearing Bruno Mali shoes. Good. <laughs> and he and that man was innocent. Was that man was innocent. totally innocent. Steve Jobs' cancer prognosis. Real? I feel like he broke it himself. But I could be wrong. I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it's real. Yeah, the National Enquirer. Oh, that one. Wow. darn it! The I'm National sorry. National Enquirer did that one. Oh, the release of the Kim Kardashian sex tape. Oh, I feel like that's real. I don't know. No, let's save tabloid. That was Vivid Entertainment. Vivid. They actually so that's, did. Oh, yeah. it's like a marketing thing, right? Yeah, that's a, a porn site, thing. folks. They used to be porn. Vivid. We used to be on the 101. Yeah, next to the museum of the, the Braille Institute. Driving by, I just saw like, oh no, those offices. Something COVID killed Vivid. Yeah, it was COVID. <laughs> The Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky scandal. Real. Yeah. I want to say like real. Time or Newsweek. Real? This was real. This was the Wash Washington Post. Oh, okay. Discovered this one. Thanks, Bezos. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bezos. Uh those are the those are the ones. So who pulled their weight the more? Who knew who knew the more about? Uh I, I screwed up a little bit. Well, no, I feel like Rob. I'll I'll give Rob. I don't want to deal with him being 
Listeners, you want, uh, if, if you want to write in and say write, who write you down, think listeners. won that game of the competitive uh, cooperative Send nature. Send a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> Mail us a postcard. Or reach out to us on our social media, Instagram at This Was a Thing Pod, or you can go to our website that Ray keeps beautiful track of. It looks gorgeous, right? WW. I sound like Trump there. He keeps track of a beautiful job, Ray. And uh, the website www.thiswasathingpod.com? No, just thiswasthething.com. Amazing. And if you like what we're doing, head on over to Patreon. We It keeps uh, keeps us going. It keeps us going and we really appreciate it. And write in if you remember your favorite weekly world news story. And P-Lot, if you're out there, we'd love to get your rebuttal. Oh, we would love to be have you on our Patreon. <laughs> Till next time! Bye! Thanks for listening to This Was a Thing, and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running. Our editor, Daniel Cut Cut Schwartzberg, our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese, our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford, our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing's Too Graphic DeSavia, and finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out, we'd love to hear from you. And if you really liked what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show.